0: Well, have you put a marker in your Bible where Habakkuk is? I did, because last week I couldn't find it while I was trying to talk to you at the same time. So I put a marker in there so that way I wouldn't have that problem again. Last week we ended where Habakkuk had, as it were, mounted a tower and it was like a watchtower, and he was looking and waiting for God to answer him. Let's look at Habakkuk chapter 2. Let's review that verse. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1.
1: Habakkuk says, I will
0: take my stand at my watchpost." And station myself on the tower. And look out to see what he, that's God, will say to me. And what I will answer concerning my complaint. So that's where we ended last week. It was... A charged moment, I think. I think that's what the scriptures want us to feel. It was there was tension in the air. How is God gonna answer? What is God gonna to say to that? And we kind of contemplated whether Habakkuk was huh, what's God gonna to say to that or he really earnestly what's he gonna say? Could have been both, maybe it depend on the hour of the day. And today as we look at God's answer, it's a foundation stone for our Christian lives. And let's pray. God, take your word and minister, serve, soften, instruct, fill our hearts, feed our hearts. We need you, we thank you that we have your eternal word. It is precious. More precious than gold. Amen. Number one this morning. As we look at God's answer, first it is publish the good news. We're going to move right in to God's answer. It says in verse two, and the Lord answered me. That's where I want to stop. Just want to stop there. Be really simple. But I think the application here, the simple application is very helpful. The Bible knowledge commentary puts it this way as it's commenting on that phrase, and the Lord answered. It says this, God does not mumble. He speaks with clarity and forthrightness. And how thankful we can be that God does answer. He does reveal himself to us. He stoops to our low estate. And as you've heard me say so many times before, but to me it's one of the most beautiful moments in the Bible, yet one of the most sad moments in the Bible. In the Garden of Eden, when the Lord comes in the cool of the day, And Adam and Eve hear Him and they run and they hide. They ran away from a God who had never done them wrong, who had created them beautifully and wonderfully and gave them a wonderful place to live. And it is they who had wronged Him and yet they run from Him when He speaks to them. And yet God, from that point, has always reached out to His people, called out to them, revealed Himself to them, answered them, instructed them, fed them, clothed them, as He did even there in the Garden of Eden. As people, one of the ways we can insult our, each other is by just ignoring one another. Recently I asked, Somebody a question Well, in the last couple of years, I asked somebody a question about something that I guess they didn't want to answer, and they just never responded to me. They ignored
1: me. We can also stumble over our own words or
0: unintentionally speak the wrong thing when we do use our words. We struggle with communication ourselves. There are fields of study at colleges and graduate schools across the country dealing with this field of communications. So, as we consider here that God gives an answer, we can rejoice, where we can be thankful that God does communicate, He does reveal Himself, and He does so perfectly articulately, and it is a message to pay attention to. We can rest in that as God's people. And as we consider that for ourselves, we need to center our lives around God's communication. We've had some events happen this week in our country, and I understand the... um, their preoccupation around our TV sets or our the streaming videos on our phones or the listening to some sort of radio broadcast. There is a definite preoccupation with what's going on in our country right now, a heightened interest. And that's understandable. But let me just point out that as a Christian, we need to make sure that we are centering our
1: lives, balancing our lives, basing our lives on God's communication. And as we're going to see here in a minute,
0: God charges Habakkuk to give this message. So even though we're not all preachers, we all are Christ followers and good news bearers. And so in our communication, God's message should be a part of our communication. So that was just a very simple application with just the first phrase as we look at God's answer, but I felt it very necessary for us this morning. So now let's move into what God actually said to Habakkuk, making the vision plain. Let's look at the rest of verse 2. And the Lord answered me, write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. There's a little bit of debate for those who uh, study Hebrew on exactly how to translate these phrases here. One way of translating it is a runner who spreads the news. Habakkuk was to give the news to a runner who can run and give the news to the outposts. Another way of translating it is that Habakkuk was to take this message and post it on a billboard as it were so that anybody running by could easily see the message. Either way is fine. My preference is this last way that Habakkuk was to make the message clear and to make it plain for God's people. A few years ago, some of you may remember that our church sign on US 6 fell off and it left our old white sign and that white sign had very faded blue lettering on it and not only was it faded, but there was a lot of lettering on that. So, as people drove by at 55, 60, and for those speed demons, 70 miles an hour, they weren't even going to be able to get a fraction of the information on that sign. So, I replaced it with just one thing a blue sign with big white lettering that has one message. And that's how to get a hold of us, our website address. And in essence, I feel like that is what God is saying to Habakkuk here. Make it clear. Make it obvious. So as people are running by in their busy lives, they see the message and they get the message. So as we look at it for our own lives, what do we do with God's words? Do people have to really pay attention and do as they are busy in their own lives, do they miss the message? They miss God's message as they are around our lives. We're in the day of Zoom calls, especially during this pandemic, video calls. And this week I had to Zoom with a, a teacher that I was subbing for so she could give me instructions on how to do something in her classroom. And I couldn't hear her because there was enough background noise in the classroom. And I was on a student's computer, and the speakers weren't that great, so I had to fish out my earbuds that I never use, and I pulled them out of my um, backpack, and they were in this huge wad. So I had to spend about three, four minutes while she's standing there, or sitting there on the screen watching me, and I'm trying to untangle these earbuds. There was a couple different sets tangled together. And finally, I got him plugged in, and then I was able to communicate with her. As a Christian bearing God's name and giving his message, do people have to struggle? Do they have to look for magnification in order to get God's message from us? Or is God's message clear through us? So publish the good news by making it plain. Next, consider the right time frame. Let's look at verse 3. Begins with the word for, and often that's a connecting word that gives further explanation. So first in verse 2, God tells Habakkuk to make the vision plain, and then he gives some information about This vision. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. (coughs) It will not delay. And here, as we consider that there is a time frame with the vision that God is communicating to Habakkuk, we also feel this tension, the tension of waiting for fulfillment of what God says will happen. In fact, the writer of Hebrews picks up on these very verses and makes a Holy Spirit-inspired application for us Hebrews chapter 10, you want to keep your finger in Habakkuk, Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to look at verse 36, I could just read it to
1: you, but I really want you to put your eyeballs on this, Hebrews 10 verse 36 says,
0: for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. The writer of Hebrews is addressing the Hebrew people as they're scattered about, and they're struggling in their faith. The book of Hebrews is addressing those specific struggles, but intermingled through there, there's warnings in the book to challenge people about how they need to live their lives in the midst of, of the context that they are in and handling the struggles that they have. And here he's saying, you need endurance so that you may do the will of God and receive what is promised. And then the writer here moves into that promise. And that promise he gives more specific details on is a quote from Habakkuk chapter 2 but he alters it by inspiration of the Holy Spirit to make application to something, a future promise. And it is this, he says, For yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay. So he goes on in his quoting from Habakkuk chapter 2. We're going to get to that in just a little while. But here he cites the fact that the vision will come and it will come without delay except he applies it to a future promise the promise of Jesus Christ coming. and so yes Jesus Christ will come and it will come at the, he will come at the right time but in the meantime we need to have need of endurance and something else that we'll get to in a moment second Peter chapter three I'm just going to read this to you because I abri- I'm abridging it uh, gives us the same struggle with waiting and looking for the fulfillment of the promise of Jesus's return second Peter chapter three starting in verse one and I'm abridging it down through verse nine. Peter says, Dear friends, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. Scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, Where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. And Peter, a few verses later, says, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. But everyone to come to repentance. Same idea applies to Habakkuk here. He feels like he's in a desperate situation. Evil is prevailing. In fact, God seems to be winking at evil and using evil against his people. And God's answer to Habakkuk is, wait, I will fulfill my promise. I will fulfill my word. As Christians, we wait. It's a core tenet of our Christian lives. We wait. Something will happen.
1: Jesus will return, He will fulfill the promise. As instant gratification, overtaking you. I hate to wait.
0: I ordered a new phone recently, and I have to wait. I had to wait two weeks. It still hasn't come yet, but I'm probably going to have to wait about two weeks. I hate to wait. I want it now. Who cares about phones? I know. Fine. But we, we have our things that we don't want to wait on. Maybe you don't want to wait on that traffic light. And so as soon as it turns yellow, if you think you're close enough, you're going to hit the gas because you don't want to wait. Every fall, I get excited and depressed at the same time. Excited because I love fall. It's my favorite time of year. But somehow it always just slips through my fingers and I don't get to enjoy it. And learning how to stop and enjoy God's creation. Slow down, wait, look, consider, reflect. This is a part of our Christian lives. We are a people who wait. So publish the news and make it clear you are waiting on God's perfect timing. Be someone who is a message bearer of God's good news and it's you and make it clear to everybody you are waiting on God's perfect timing. So publish the good news, make it clear, wait for the right timing. Let's hear a little bit more about the message that God gave Habakkuk. Number two, the life of faith. Let's look at verse
1: 4 in Habakkuk, chapter 2. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him.
0: But the righteous shall live by faith. Here is the heart of God's message to Habakkuk. And at this heart is a contrast between two different types of people. God talks about the evil person. In the context here, it's referring to the Chaldeans or the Babylonians. And it describes them as being puffed up. Their soul is not upright within them. That's their condition. And then He talks about the just person. And this... Case with Habakkuk, he's talking about the Israelite people as well as all the other Gentiles who have accepted the God of Israel. Those are the just. This is a hard contrast. The reality of the Chaldeans or the kingdom of darkness, unbelievers, versus Israel or the just or God's kingdom. Believers. Warren Wiersbe says it this way. The contrast here is between people of faith and people who arrogantly trust themselves and leave God out of their lives. The immediate application was to the Babylonians. God hears he's addressing Habakkuk and also everybody who reads the scriptures God is drawing our attention to the reality of
1: spiritual kingdom citizenship. Everyone is a part
0: is a member of one kingdom or the other. You are a member of the kingdom of darkness or a kingdom or the kingdom of light.
1: When you are born into this world, you are born into the kingdom of darkness. You do not get into the kingdom of light by accident.
0: It is only through your intentional faith in Jesus Christ. It is not, by the way, through some fire insurance insurance emergency prayer just to say the words. their words do not save you. Many people who have prayed a prayer and claimed Christ, but know nothing of Him.
1: It is your faith, which is what we look at next, that saves you, gives you life,
0: and puts you in to God's kingdom. And in fact, the... Holy Spirit drew attention to this very Old Testament phrase with the New Testament Scripture writers. The just shall live by faith. It's a a common phrase uh, depending on which translation you use. It's it's said different ways, but the just shall live by faith. We're going to look at three different New Testament passages that quote this Habakkuk passage directly. Turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter one.
1: we're going to start in verse sixteen. I want you to
0: put your eyeballs on these words because this is a foundation stone of the Christian's life. Romans one sixteen says For I, and this is the Apostle Paul speaking, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why is he not ashamed? That's what he says next. For it, the gospel, is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek For in it, that is, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, and here is our quote from Habakkuk, the righteous shall live by faith. God's righteousness is, We were born into the kingdom of darkness. God's righteousness comes to us
1: and we are translated into God's kingdom only by our faith. And that, that is our faith, is
0: our way of life from there on out. There may be someone here this morning sitting in the pew who sits there condemned under God's condemnation. Because as John chapter 3 points out, we are born under God's condemnation. But spiritual life and the way of life as we express our faith initially in salvation
1: is faith. Galatians chapter 3, turn there. Galatians chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 10. So many people
0: understand the gospel, the good news. They understand how to be saved, but they're deceived
1: in their own heart about their own salvation. That's why it's a supernatural work of God, our salvation.
0: Galatians chapter 3 and verse 10. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God By the law.
1: For the righteous shall live by faith. So
0: to have spiritual life starts with faith. And to live the spiritual life continues in faith. Spiritual life comes to us not through keeping the rules. But through believing in Jesus Christ. Now, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 10. This is the final New Testament passage we're going to look at. Hebrews chapter 10. Again, starting in verse 36, where
1: we were before. For you have need
0: of endurance. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. Same Habakkuk quotation. This passage emphasizes faith as a way of life until Jesus
1: returns. You and I will always be faced with people,
0: faced with situations that go against
1: are the opposite of the life of faith. When
0: I was in grade school. We moved to Kentucky, as you've heard me talk about. And as we were looking at the trailer park where we eventually moved to, the owner was showing us around. And he had a suburban. Us kids were excited to be in his suburban. He was driving us around and there was a lot of excavation happening. He was doubling and really even tripling the size of the trailer park at that time. And he was talking about what they were getting ready to do, what they had done, and really impressing us kids. Uh, Mom and dad weren't impressed, and they thought he was kind of a braggart. Us kids didn't understand. We were just impressed with him. He appeared to us as a very impressive guy. Over the years, as we did move into the trailer park, we began to hear some things about his business practices. And then years after that, we heard that he went to jail. He had very impressive accomplishments, but he was doing many illegal things, in the process he had a good show but he did not have the true essence of living right the world system is energized this way we are surrounded with this we also have the the flesh inside of us that grabs on to an impressive show of worldliness of world priorities of shows of glory
1: When it's just a shell. You and I is the nature of
0: what God is teaching Habakkuk and all of us is that we live a life of faith. We live by faith in that we could not have life until we had faith. Faith in God and in the gospel gives us life, moves us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light And then, as we live in that kingdom, we live based on things we cannot see and cannot totally understand. So Habakkuk's chief complaint is, I don't understand, God. And God says, yes, I know. You trust. You live by faith in things you cannot
1: totally understand and you cannot totally see. Number one, publish
0: the good news. Make it clear. Wait for the right timing. And then number two, stay in Hebrews 10 if you're already there because we're going to be back there in a minute. The life of faith is number two. We live in contrast to the world. Our way of life is different. And next time we will see God gives a prediction of what will happen to this evil nation Talking to Habakkuk there with the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. But we also have the same prediction for the world system that we see today. Back to the author of Hebrews writing to a struggling people in their faith. Same for Habakkuk, he can't make sense of everything. It doesn't seem to work out right. It doesn't add up right. And God says, well, you need to trust me. You need to live by faith, live on things that you cannot So I want to just go a little bit further with what the writer of Hebrews says. I'm going to start this time with verse 32 of chapter 10. The writer says, Recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Sometimes, being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those. For you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Just this last verse that I read is totally foreign to us. In America, we have rights. And you better not mess with them. Total opposite here of what these people were experiencing. He said, when you were first saved, you, you really embraced this struggle and this persecution you were under, even to the point of your own property being plundered, knowing you have a more eternal possession than this old earth. And now the writer makes conclusion, which brings us back into the familiar territory we were just in. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for yet a little while, and the coming one will come. And will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back. My soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back. And are destroyed. But of those who have faith. And preserve their souls. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith. Is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. Habakkuk couldn't see. He couldn't make sense of it. But faith gives you confidence and conviction of the things you can't see, but you know are there. For by it, that's faith, the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are invisible. The writer of Hebrews gives us a case in point. Do you, he says, do you believe that God created the world? Well, you, you didn't see it. You can't make sense of that. You weren't there. How do you know? Because you take it on faith. Habakkuk can't see and understand and make sense of what is happening with the Chaldeans and these evil people and this evil nation. But God says, you take it on Faith that I will perform what
1: I say I will perform, or I did what I said I did. Some people like to call it the eyes of faith. We see what is invisible.
0: In fact, the writer here of Hebrews makes a little bit of a Wordplay or a concept play, he's saying, the world that you see came from something you cannot see. I think I've mentioned this before. I have a friend who is an engineer. And engineers have a weird way of having fun. And my friend, his name's Nate, by the way, um, this was at a gathering several years ago. He brought a bike to our class gathering. And this bike was like no other bike you have ever ridden. He, in his twisted engineered mind, had rigged the bike that when you turn the bike the way you normally would to make it go the way you want it to go, it went the opposite way. And so the idea was who can play a trick with their mind and learn how to ride the bike the right way.
1: Living by what you can see in this life means you will crash the bike. Learning to live by faith means
0: even though we cannot see, even though our coordination is inadequate. Living by faith means we can navigate through a very confusing world. And we can see things and we can have a coordination that we would never otherwise have. This is why someone who is not strong in God's Word
1: and not strong in prayer, this is why they will be weak. They will be living by their earthly senses. And they will get a lot of unnecessary scrapes and bruises. Take a few minutes and respond to God's word.